everyone. This is Ronnie from Everything Five. I'm here at GDC 2018, and I have the pleasure of being able to meet with uh, various people from Charm Games. I have uh, Alan and, and, and Derek. They're both uh, co-founders of Charm Games, as well as Dinos. He's a technical director. Uh, Charm Games is based out of Vancouver uh, in British Columbia, Canada, and uh, the the game studio uh, focuses on VR-only titles, so it's kind of exactly what we're interested here um, at Everything Vive to, to learn more about. So, first of all, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having a chance to, to, or giving us the chance to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, Ron. Thanks for having us. Perfect. So, um, first, I, I guess, before, you know, talking about uh, some of the, the, the games you guys have worked on and are working on, um, if you could give me a little bit about your background uh, before uh, before Charmed Games. So just a little bit about uh, what you guys did that led you here. Okay. Um, I'll start? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and if you could just let, you, let the readers know. Yeah, so uh, I'm Derek. Uh, I've been working video games about uh, 15 years now. Uh, I started as uh, an intern company called Radical Entertainment back in about 2003. Worked on a couple games there, some puzzle games, Hulk 2, Scarface. Uh, I was a lead artist on Prototype. So primarily my background is visuals, 3D, uh, 3D environments, uh, and graphics, and shaders. Okay. Um, after that, I uh, co-founded my first games company in 2008. We were doing uh, free-to-play web games. Uh, worked at uh, a couple startups after that. Um, worked, uh, started another games company in between, and then uh, finally worked, uh, started with this company with Alan in uh, 2015. Okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and then the other thing is uh, I moonlight for the last four years working at the TED conference that's uh, in Vancouver, which okay. is pretty cool. Very cool. And I guess uh, the natural transition would be to the other co-founder, Alan. Sure, yeah. So I've, I've been working in the games industry for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years now. And before starting Charm with Derek, I was um, actually mainly working on the financial side. So I worked with um, studio founders and, and team startups that uh, were doing stuff on all kinds of platforms. So I, I helped out a little bit on a couple dozen uh, titles across mobile, web, console, PC, while um, and yeah we we saw some VR stuff uh, early on and got excited about the possibilities of it I had known Derek from one of the places that we worked together uh, at one point and and uh, we were both excited about the the opportunity coming up so we decided to jump in head first well, what were uh, I don't know if you remember but what were some of the earliest VR uh you know, experiences that you got to try out that kind of made you excited. Well, I remember vividly the first ones I tried out that that uh, didn't make me excited at all. <laughs> the, the like the Half Life twos in yeah. VR on the DK one. Right I had the around. same experience. I tried that one super early on, and I was like, "Wow, this is a long way away." And then I remember less than a year later, I tried another experience, and that one I forget what that one was now, but mm-hmm. I was I saw the difference between that. Uh, and the new experience on the DK2 in less than a year and that flipped the switch in my brain where I was like okay this actually is real yeah Uh, we're gonna see some cool stuff and the fact that that it moved ahead so quickly too because I was likewise I I was showing people my DK1 when I when I picked it up and and going from that and kind of showing like every now and then you'll kind of hit a nerve with people like as far as or or get really people really excited 
Um, but other times there were people that tried that and were put off. And, and later on when I, when I got a Rift and a Vive and, 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 you know, the better headsets with the better software, you know, getting people initially to kind of, well, I don't know, I tried it last time and it wasn't so hot. And then they try, they try it and literally it was only a couple of year difference. And they were like, oh my gosh, that was, that was completely different than what I remember yeah. you know, trying initially. So it's kind of crazy how, how quickly this stuff moves. So. Yeah. Okay, well, very cool. And, and what about you, Dinos? Uh, so, yeah, I started uh, um, my games career at uh, EA with Black Box, actually. So I was, uh, I was on the Need for Speed team, uh, doing some pretty cool projects there. Um, and then I actually transitioned from games to film for a okay. while. I uh, went down to L.A., I was at DreamWorks for a while with the R&D group there. Um, all the time doing kind of you know, rendering, graphics, physics stuff. Sure. Um, and then uh, left entertainment for a while, did some startups, uh, both founded and uh, was an exec at some uh, startups in web and mobile and all sorts of things. Uh, and then uh, couldn't, uh, had the itch to come back. So then ran into these guys one day at a, a VR game jam. And uh, Derek and I go, go way back. Uh, we knew each other in high school, actually, or actually even earlier. Um, and we hadn't seen each other in, what, like 10 years or something yeah. like that, and just randomly ran into each other. I was getting interested in VR, and these guys were just starting up and uh, kind of needed uh, a technical arm, and uh, that's kind of how it came together. Very cool. So, I mean, it, it, and Derek, you had mentioned, you know, you had worked on some puzzle games um, prior to, to founding or co-founding uh, Charm Games, and maybe that was part of what informed your decisions to work on, on puzzle games, I'm not really sure, but if you guys could talk a, a little bit about kind of what your inspiration was in, in moving towards your first project. Sure. Um, yeah, when I started at Radical, we worked, uh, I was an intern on a game called uh, CSI 2, okay. so it was a crime-solving puzzle game. It wasn't like a... a I wouldn't call it a real puzzler, but it had puzzle-like elements, mm-hmm. had story. Um, it was that was actually pretty formative, just in terms of how I I saw like a, an ideal uh, game team built because it was no bigger than about fourteen people. Mm-hmm. The production cycles were less than a year. Um, they they sold lots of copies and they hit. Um, they kind of addressed in a, a market that was underserved, which was. Um, a little bit more casual, but at higher production qualities from you know a visual standpoint and experience uh, standpoint. Um, so that was that, that that left an impression pretty early on, um, and that still carries forward to why we're doing what we're doing now is because in VR the 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 wave shooter horror games are pretty well served for the hardcore market, and we're mm-hmm. tr- we're providing a service that it opens it up a little bit more and makes it more accessible. Yeah. Because that's one of the my critiques of where content is right now in VR is it's a little bit specified to a, an already well served market, mm-hmm. and we're, I'm looking for providing something a little bit different there. Okay, and and I don't know if 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 uh, if that was also part of what uh, your why you guys decided to focus only on VR was it because you wanted to narrow and. And, and hit a specific market where you saw a need, or, or if you guys could kind of talk about, you know, how you reached that decision when you were founding Charm Games to focus only on VR, because that, that was one of the things I noticed when just perusing your website and obviously playing form, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was that y- 
you guys rightly so, in my opinion, uh, understand that, you know, virtual reality, if you're going to develop a game for VR, you really have to really be all in. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the key part is you don't ever half-bake a cake. So, you know, you got to go for it. Um, and we saw this as the biggest opportunity. It's not in terms of, um, you know, obvious, you know, we're not going to sell millions of copies of the game right away at this mm -hmm. point. But the experience and know-how what we're building is going to transfer over to the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And you, it, people can tell the difference if a developer or a, is fully immersed in VR or they're just doing it as a side project. Yeah. The end result kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And what led you guys to, to, to make form your first project? Like, what exactly did... I, I know you guys have mentioned, you know... Uh, meeting up at a game jam and like uh, like, uh, what was it like kind of prototyping your first uh, you know experiences in VR as a as a studio, and how did that how did your your creative process work that led you to your first title? Mm -hmm. uh, do, do you want to talk about um, yeah where form I, I, came from? Well, the you know form like as a concept was just kind of a a way of sidestepping some of the challenges of early VR development, like how do you move through the world or what are you going to see next? And, mm -hmm. and um, we were quite small at the time, and we, did, uh, we didn't even have a full-time programmer, so we couldn't necessarily add characters or mm -hmm. complicated traditional game elements. Mm -hmm. But within that, the, those constraints, there's actually an opportunity to do something interesting. Yeah coming from the, the simple concept of what if the environment moved around you. Yeah. Um, so that was something that was pretty clear in my mind early on, because we had open questions about player input and player movement, and form was just a, uh, a first intro into maybe, well, we can't solve all of that right now. Mm -hmm. We're not an R&D company. Let's make something that looks really cool. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, and speaking about the, the visual style of Forum, I mean, that was one of the things when I first tried Forum that I was just blown away with, just in terms of, like, and, and at that point, by the time Forum had released, I mean, I had, I had had a chance to play a lot of what I consider very high-quality VR titles, but right away when I, when I, I played Forum, like, I, I, was, I was blown away. I was just, wow, this, like, just everything from it looked like the decisions you guys had made to the way you guys executed it and implemented it. I thought it was fantastic. And, and I didn't know if you could speak a little bit about um, kind of the varied styles that you see without, throughout the game. Because I, I've, and, and being here at GDC, I've heard quite a few people talk about um, kind of different approaches to uh, tackling visuals in VR because it obviously uh, lends itself to some certain challenges and certain yeah. things that, that work better in VR versus, versus not. Um, and I, and I, it, it, I mean, from what I notice in forum, you guys take an interesting approach in that it's kind of like you covered all bases, like to some extent, like you have more realistic, um, environments when you need them, but then you go more abstract, um, when the gameplay elements also become a little bit more abstract. So yeah. if you could talk a little bit maybe about that. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, what, we made a, a, a series of early decisions um, pretty early on that we wanted to be playable by anyone, we wanted to be playable seated or standing, and from there we kind of went off and went um, down the path of like, well, what would it look like? And the easiest way I would probably sum that up is we, we had a, we were 
chasing a feeling of what, what should it feel like. So um, it should feel surreal, it should feel ethereal. Um, so the uh, early visual references that we used was um, uh, projection light mapping and um, performance art, or um, installation art. So um, when you stand in these interesting spaces, it's not about the walls per se, it's more about these objects, um, you know, artistically placed in a way that's, that's interesting. And you can do that with very, very simple objects if you have that approach. Yeah. Um, otherwise, there's a danger of trying to make it, things look too real yeah. consistently at all times. And one of the things that worked well for us is we, um, we kind of use the analogy of being on a stage so traditional stages, the, the, the concept of being able to set the stage, in our case, is turning the lights off or making it quite dark. Yeah. So we're a lot, we're, we have this space on which we can weave in different uh, interesting-looking things when, when we need it to. Okay. No, and that's really interesting from my perspective just because as, a, as, as someone that just enjoys the various games and experiences out there but doesn't always know, you know the process, a, a, lot of, a lot of the language you used... I think reflects a lot of the positive things that I see in a variety of titles, not even just form. Like you mentioned, the staging mm -hmm. and, 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 and the feeling versus, like, to some extent, that really encapsulates, I think, what makes a, a VR experience so great. And yeah, it's, it's a magnifier, I think. Yeah, there's a potential to, you know, really multiply that feeling of immersion or feeling of being caught up in an emotion or something like that. So it's... I think the we've had a couple talks about this internally, like what the difference is, and I think um, we are not a game mechanics studio, we are a game experience uh, studio, so that really drives the development and how we approach things, okay. because, um, you know, it, you get different results, I think, approaching it from either, either one. There's no right or wrong, I just think VR is better suited for probably on the experience side at this yeah. stage right now. Okay, and, and leading off of that, um, obviously, uh, form, and as far as gameplay is concerned, mostly, you know, a puzzle-oriented VR experience. Um, what was it like to kind of decide the balance that you guys needed to kind of uh, uh, approach or, or seek in regards to difficulty versus, you know... It, I. For example, I mean, with VR, if you make things too easy, yeah. it's kind of a blow-away kind of snuff experience, and you do it, and whatever, it drives itself. But if it's too difficult, players yeah. can get stuck and yeah. not move on. And So how did you guys kind of approach that, and, 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 and what were your takeaways? Yeah, I, the, the main principle from the beginning, again, was the accessibility in terms of design, in the same way that we wanted the experience to be playable by anybody, whether they were a hardcore gamer or not, we uh, incorporated that approach in the puzzle design too. So, um, you know, we, we did fall back on wanting to make sure that people could get to the end of it, but we also didn't want to be really heavy-handed in terms of telling you, you should do this if you're stuck, and giving you all kinds of really explicit hints or something like that. So at the end of the day, it, it wasn't really something that we set out ahead of time as a framework, it was just playtesting. We put 400 people through playtests wow. through the course of form and we just shaved off rough edges as we got to them and, and kind of got an intuitive sense of what players' flow would be from just watching people play it over and over and over again. Uh, and I think that was that that's the right approach for VR right now because not a lot of the lessons 
in design that come from console or mobile are applicable to those same challenges in VR. It's really hard to um, understand what people are looking at or paying attention to when they're playing a mobile title on the mm -hmm. screen or a console mm -hmm. thing, but you get much different information when you're watching somebody's headset move around inside a space, and you can kind of be like, oh, they looked at that thing and then they did that, so that thing, <laughs> this thing. They, they're confused by this thing, and so there's a lot of that smoothing that you can do as long as you just put people in the headset yeah. a lot. I don't know if any of these come to mind, but were there any specific examples maybe that you can think of of where people were reacting to something in a completely different way than you thought, or or you guys came up with a solution that, you know, doesn't seem so intuitive, but led to the result you were looking for? Uh, I mean, there <laughs> are dozens countless. of those, <laughs> yeah. Like, there are so many things where the first time we made it, we're like, it's definitely going to work exactly that way. And then the very first playtester who played it would do it completely differently. Uh. And then every <laughs> other playtester would do it in the opposite way we intended it. We had to change it around. I mean, there's not a single puzzle in form that uh, launched the way we designed it when we first sat down and talked about it. Every single one changed dramatically from when we concepted it to when we shipped because of putting it through that process. Very cool. And I guess uh, moving on then, uh, obviously you guys recently announced a new title that you're working on, uh, Twilight Path, correct? That's right. Um, it, can you kind of uh, talk about any lessons learned from form that... Uh, kind of changed your approach uh, as, as far as uh, developing a new puzzle title? Uh, well, I mean, there's like the internal pro there's the internal lessons learned in terms of just how we go about and approach these situations. Yeah. Um, I think at the highest level, the biggest difference that I think what we're doing with Twilight Path is uh, because it's so experience-driven, um, we're looking at this as a series of moments. So connecting moment one to two to three within a level, okay. per se, uh, which isn't necessarily the way that we um, designed or even discussed how uh, form worked, for example. So I think this is just a little bit of a byproduct of us getting better at internally preparing this, and then we're, we're finding that there's a better end result at the end of the day when we're finaling a level, for example. Okay, very cool. And I, and I know that Twilight Path is, is a, a different type of environment. I, I, I know uh, I, Form, obviously, was, was more of a sci-fi, kind of mm -hmm. ethereal-type environment, and now you're moving towards fantasy. Yeah. Um, what were some of the reasons? Were you guys just looking to kind of do something new? Or what, what, what kind of inspired you to move in that direction? Um, well, you know, um, a couple of things. The first thing is we always really wanted to make a, a, um, games that had broad appeal. And uh, as form, as unique as it looks, um, at first glance it looks like it's for a different audience for how it maybe plays. Sure. Um, so that there's no right or wrong way. It's just that that, I think, was maybe... A, um, it's just a, an effect of, of what we have at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. With Twilight, uh, you know, the, the experience is pretty rooted in the same philosophy, but sure. we wanted to add color, we wanted to add, you know, these magical environments, we want to introduce some fun characters and, mm -hmm. you know, unique opportunities to um, make even better moments or more impressive moments. So, um, you know, eventually when we can show some, some of the stuff in Twilight Path, you, it'll be obvious on, like, you have a, 
a broader range now. So it's just a it's a more interesting canvas. Not to say that we we don't like form. We we love form. It's just that's a pretty that's a very narrow um, uh, way forward in terms of uh, style. So we'd like to get avoid getting pigeonholed because sure. uh, we we think our our range is pretty broad. Okay. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you can speak to some of the challenges and kind of expanding that, because to some extent, uh, limiting the scope can kind of, you know, make things a little bit easier in terms of control. And, and what are some of the things that you guys are kind of, of learning or working on um, in expanding and, and changing that, that approach? Um, well, one for definite one is just the sight lines and what you can see when not everything's, in, you know, covered in darkness. Uh, so that's that's a legitimate challenge. Um, we also are building these levels and introducing new workflows and adding characters and animation to it. So it's, it's more complicated from an uh, implementation standpoint as well. Okay. Are, are you guys still, and in, in this doesn't have to be specific as to, to Twilight Path or anything like that, but as far as you mentioned when you were talking about form, uh, that some of your decisions, your, your design decisions around form, uh, we're also around the con like the movement constraints, for example, um, that that the current VR headsets provide. Um, do you guys? I don't know if you guys see any kind of changes as far as you know the the medium kind of gravitating gravitating towards one type of solution versus another, or are you guys sticking with your guy? I know some people are just they prefer physical movement within a space and they don't want to get into other types of movement. I, yeah. I don't know if you could talk about that. There, there are a lot of different kinds of movements that different people have preferences toward, and mm -hmm. I, so far I haven't really seen the kind of cohesion toward the convergence toward one control scheme that, for example, like dual stick console shooters have gone toward. They all work the same way now. Yeah. For VR, everybody's pushing that way, but I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. And for us, like, it's such a big challenge that for a studio like us, we can't solve that ourselves. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, we make, a de we make decisions about spending time on the thing that we think is going to leave the biggest impact on people. Um, and locomotion is not that. Because we, we're not just going to sit in a... We're not going to sit in our basement for, for uh, you know, 10 months trying to figure out a new locomotion system. Not yeah. because that's not valuable work to do, but because we're not the right team. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to leave that to smarter folks to figure out locomotion in, in VR five years down the road, ten years down the road. Okay. Well, no. The form left a very big impact on me, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to find out what you guys are up to with Twilight Path. And, and yeah, uh, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time to, to talk with me. Um, as far as where people can... Can, can reach out to you guys and learn more about uh, what Charm Games is doing. Uh, what's the best way that people can, can stay in touch with you guys? And uh, I'd say go find us on Twitter, okay. uh, at Charm Games. Uh, our website's charmgames.com as okay. well. Okay. Uh, and if you want to stay up to date on what's happening with Twilight Path, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter okay. over there. Perfect. All right, well, uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to meet with me, and, uh, yeah, we'll be in touch in the future, hopefully. Awesome. Thanks for Thanks having us. For us.